Counseling Call-In Program and is designed to help you apply the Bible to life's problems. This program is a ministry of the Biblical Counseling Institute, which is located in Garrisville, Ohio, and we're coming to you from the WHKW Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. My name is Armin Tiffey. I'm the pastor of Cornerstone Community Church, which is located in Mayfield Heights, Ohio. And I'm joined here tonight uh, with a panel, my wife, Kathy, who's also a certified biblical counselor, and also two other pastoral friends, Glenn Dunn and Gus Supan. Now, for the next hour, we're going to discuss God's blueprint for a good marriage. And in a few minutes, uh, at the first break, I'm going to uh, open the phone lines and take some calls. We'll give you the phone number then for you to call. So if you have any questions or if you have any comments, please feel free to give us a call. Also, if you know of someone uh, who can benefit from this topic, a program on marriage, God's Blueprint for Marriage, I'd encourage you to call them right now and tell them to tune in to 1220 AM WHKW. Guys, when we talk about... uh, God's blueprint uh, for marriage. Uh, I heard someone once said in jest, kind of humorously, they said, uh, the problem with marriage is that most marriages start out as an ideal, then they become an ordeal, and soon you're looking for a new deal. (laughs) (laughs) Marriage is kind of like building a house. You know, when you build a house, we need a blueprint, don't we, from a designer, from an architect. That's right. And we also need a blueprint from the architect of marriage. And God has given us that blueprint, hasn't he, in his word, the Bible. What I'd like to do this evening for our next hour uh, together here is go back to the beginning, to the first married couple, Adam and Eve, and to see how God's original plan for marriage. What I'm referring to is Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And what I'd like to do is ask my wife, since she reads so nice, uh, to read for us. Uh, verses uh, 18 and 21 through 25. Sure. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, you men, you know, imagine yourself in Adam's place. Imagine Adam, here he is in this beautiful garden, Garden of Eden. He's all alone. And then all of a sudden, tiptoeing through the tulips, is this beautiful specimen of a woman. No flaws, no defects, and no clothes. Can you guys imagine that? Wow, now, man. Don't think too hard on that <laughs> now. Wow, man. <laughs> Can you imagine Adam saying something like, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. No, although sometimes we read it like that, don't we? At least not in that tone. Not very romantic. No. 
actually that's a an exclamation in in Hebrew. It's a and this it's an expression of of joyous astonishment. At last, I, the bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, a suitable helper. I guess our modern day equivalent would be wow. <laughs> Adam could literally say. Couldn't he literally say, you're the only woman for me, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was excited. He was excited to take Eve as his wife. And you know what, guys? Isn't that how most marriages start out with wow? Mm. But then something happens. What happens? That wow turns into an ouch. And why is that? Well, I think one major reason is because God's blueprint for marriage is ignored. Mm-hmm. And one of the key verses in the Bible in regards to marriage, I believe, is right there in verse 24, Genesis 2 and verse 24. I'd like to read it again. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now look at that verse very carefully. Because it tells us the foundation for marriage. This is God's blueprint for marriage. The foundation for a good marriage. And it tells us three things that marriage involves. And these three things is what preachers have called through the years. And uh, is leaving, cleaving, and weaving. I call them the three musts. The three musts of marriage. And uh, what I've discovered, and my wife and I do uh, marriage counseling at church. And... uh, what we've discovered through the years is that many marital difficulties arise because one or more of these three musts have been violated by either a husband or a wife, and it creates marital difficulties. You see, these three musts, this leaving, cleaving, and weaving, are basic to marital harmony. So first of all, we see that marriage involves leaving. I'd like to look at these uh, one at a time. And the first one talks about leaving. It says in verse 24 again, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother. Now as you uh, pastors know and as my wife know knows, there's a lot of confusion about what that means, leaving father and mother. And... Uh, I think a good way uh, to uh, begin is to kind of clear up some of that confusion and to to consider what it does and what it does not mean. I wonder if we can start, if uh, my uh, panel here would just share and help clarify a little bit what this does not mean. What would you say it does not mean? How could you clarify that for our listening audience? Well, one of the things I think it does not mean uh, when we when the Bible speaks of leaving and cleaving is it does not mean that we break the fifth commandment. In other words, uh, the fifth commandment still gives to us the admonition to uh, respect, to honor our parents. And this is a failure sometimes in many marriages, mm-hmm. particularly, uh, at least in my experience uh, in counseling, particularly with uh, husbands. Mm-hmm. Um, who have who I think have the wrong idea of what uh, this aspect means in marriage. So it doesn't mean that we break the fifth commandment. Right, right. We still honor mm-hmm. our parents. Amen. And sometimes parents, uh, if you uh, if you teach that, they even sometimes parents get on the defensive with this uh, yeah. this command. Yeah. And I think that parents need to be willing to understand that there has to be a there's going to be a, a, a change in the dynamics of the relationship with their children 
at the point of marriage. And lots of times this is something that uh, parents struggle with, um, and it needs to be understood. That's why the scriptures don't say that we're to continue to obey our parents. Mm -hmm. It does say that we're to continue to honor our parents. And parents have to be willing to let their children uh, change in that parameter, in that dynamic. Amen. It doesn't mean that you are to separate yourself from your parents uh, uh, physically or emotionally, that you have to go to the other side of the state and, and uh, say goodbye. I'll you know, see you at Christmas maybe mm -hmm. once in a while. It doesn't mean that. <laughs> right. That's right. Very good. I think it also doesn't mean that we're to abandon our parents. First uh, Timothy 5.8 tells us that we must provide for our own household, and sometimes that may mean our parents Mm -hmm. as they get older, that they will need us to help them, That's help right. provide for them. That's right, and that kind of goes along with Pastor Dunn, yes. what he said. And, um, and it also doesn't mean that uh, we shouldn't seek their advice. Yeah. They're wise. Mm. We should seek their advice. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, well, if it doesn't mean that, then uh, can you help clarify what does this mean? What does it involve? What does is, what is leaving father and mother involve? It means that you're going to have a radically different relationship with your parents. Uh, you're going to have an adult relationship with greater concern about your mate's opinions, about her thoughts, about her ideas, than what you've been hearing for the first 20-plus, 30-plus years before you got married. Mm -hmm. That's her ideas and her thoughts and her opinions and her needs are, 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 are first That's in right. marriage, but uh, following her commitment that's, to God. That's right. Very you, good. You yes. know, this, the scriptures tell us, and uh, this I think is especially applicable to men. Uh, Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, when I became a man, I put away childish things. And one of the things that we have to put away in the matters of marriage is to be slavishly dependent mm -hmm. upon our parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. per particularly, men have to understand. Excellent point. Yes. Men have to understand that when they're taking of the role of husband, that they are literally becoming the pastor of their wife's soul. Amen. And, and this is something that men have to understand. No one else is responsible in that home. No one else comes along uh, to do that. And so uh, both bride and groom have to understand that when uh, they enter into the covenant of marriage, that uh, they are no longer in that childlike relationship with their parents. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's... And, and that you know, has a range of uh, areas it has uh, to, to consider spiritually. Mm -hmm. And then it also has to consider financially. Mm -hmm. That's why uh, so often you see, you know, in the old movies when a father uh, sits down with a man who says, I'd like to marry your daughter. And he says, well, how are you going to provide for her? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. uh, but we need to understand that that's still part of even the culture changes, you know, definitions and so forth. That's still part of what uh, the marriage is intended to be that you are no longer slavishly dependent. You've become That's a man, right. and you're going to take mm -hmm. you're going to take on manly responsibilities but here. There's in the one other thing you add to that, Pastor Glenn, and that is uh, they are not to be emotionally dependent right. upon their parents. Right. Uh, you know, be able to That's cut those right. apron strings right. and uh, not uh, say, "Well, I have to go mm -hmm. go home to talk to my mom." I have to go before they uh, before they do anything. Right. We have an, an emotional, and there's a lot of that that goes mm -hmm. on now because mm -hmm. of the, uh, after an empty nester, a lot of the adult children are coming home and right. living at home for a long time. Right. Amen. Honey, you have something to share? Yeah, you know, I th and I think also an, like an overarching principle here that we can learn from this leaving father and mo mother is that it means making the husband and wife relationship 
your priority human mm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the marriage relationship is a very special one because it is to be a picture or an example of the relationship Christ wants to have with his church. And looking at Luke uh, chapter 14, verse 26, we see the kind of relationship that Christ wants to have with his church or with us. Uh, Jesus says there, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, Christ, what is he saying here? He's saying that he wants our relationship with him to be a priority relationship. And he wants all other relationships to take second place to him. And, And in the same way, According to Genesis 2.24, a husband and wife are to make all other earthly relationships second to the one that they have with each other. Mm -hmm. And this includes with their parents or with friends Mm -hmm. or with children, whatever. They're no longer in authority. You seek their advice, but they're not no longer in in the authority that they once were when you lived under their household. Yes. Gus, did you want to share one more thing? One more thing. I think it's important all... Also, to, to bring up the fact that they have to stop trying to change their mate to meet their parents' standards or expectations. Mm, they, uh, they want to change them to satisfy one of their, one of their parents. Yeah. You know, just before we go to the break, I know, I know you need to do that. I'm reminded of, of this um, situation where uh, parents are, uh, their daughter's just been married out of the home. And uh, the parents are sitting down to dinner. They have some friends over. Phone rings. Mother gets up, answers the phone, comes back, says to the father, you know, the daughter's mm-hmm. on the phone. He says, what's the matter? She said, she'll, she'll tell you. So he goes over to the phone. And the mother says to the uh, dinner guests, well, they've had a big fight. And um, my daughter's calling here to, to speak with us about it. Yes. And uh, the father comes back to the table, sits down, and the mother says, what, what did she say? He said, she said she wanted to come home. Hmm. He said, what did you tell her? He said, I told her she was home. (laughs) Very good. Well, with that, we'll we'll take our first break. Uh, We'll be back in two minutes, and we'll start uh, also begin to take calls. And uh, you can call here at 216-901-0933 or toll free at 888-677-9673. Seven, three. We'll be back in two minutes. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville, we can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. 
Do you desire to become more Christ-like? I want to make you aware of a unique resource every Christian should have who wants to grow in Christ-like character. Transformed into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey is a handbook for putting off sin and putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and will help you identify personal habits and tendencies that are hindering your walk with the Lord. This valuable biblical resource will not only help you identify where personal change is needed in your life, but will also explain how to put off old sinful habits and replace them with new godly behaviors. For more information about this wonderful resource, log on to transformedintohislikeness.com. That's transformedintohislikeness.com. If you'd like to order a copy, call 1-800-656-0231 or ask for it at your local bookstore. Transformed Into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey. Welcome back to Transforming Lives. I am Armin Tiffey with, with a panel of pastors and my wife. And uh, we're considering God's blueprint for marriage. We're discussing Genesis 2, 24, where it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And we're also going to open up the phone lines at this time. And uh, once again, let me give you those numbers. It's locally, it's 216 901 0933 or toll free at 888-677-9673. Guys, um, in order for our listeners, as we're talking about leaving, what the leaving aspect uh, of uh, 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 therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, in order to help our listeners better understand what are some ways this leaving aspect of marriage is violated. Uh, can you, I mean, you have counseled people. I know my wife has counseled people, married people as well. How, how is it, uh, give me some practical examples of how it's violated. I think one of the common ways today is that, uh, uh, at least for, for men, they, they uh, want to please them, their sinful desires, and they spend a lot of time uh, with their buddies. They spend time mm-hmm. in, in the bars, or they spend time with sporting events, and they're so preoccupied with some of their own self-interest that uh, they're uh, physically and emotionally not not around. Hmm. Excellent. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I've seen the same thing. goes the same, goes both ways. Seen seen that with the women as well. And you know, I've seen uh, women cater more to the needs of maybe a girlfriend or children more than her own husband's needs. And I think that just about every mother has to fight this pull that her children place on her for her time and and her attention and her desire to make life so special for her children while letting uh, her relationship with her husband take a back seat. Amen. Amen. Anyone have anything to add to that? Well, I think um, one of the ways that it's violated uh, is um, by couples not thinking biblically about marriage in and of itself, not seeing what marriage is intended by God to be, not seeing that um, they have uh, responsibilities. You know, they all, they stand in front, generally speaking, uh, couples stand in front of a church, uh, in front of family, in front of a representative of, of the kingdom of Christ, and they make promises to each other. And I don't know that very many of us uh, go over and rehearse those covenant promises that we've made uh, to our spouses, and we make a big deal about the day getting married, the ceremony, 
and mm-hmm. so forth. Mm-hmm. But uh, so often we forget about the the promises that have been made. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it, it comes back to not thinking biblically about marriage in and of itself. This is, uh, you know, as uh, we would describe it in the counseling setting, we have relationships that are what we would say TPT. Mm-hmm. You have relationships that are temporary. You have relationships that are permanent. Mm-hmm. You have relationships that are temporary in this cycle. And our relationship with our parents is temporary. Our relationship with our wives is permanent. <clears throat> Our relationship with our children is temporary, and that's the cycle that God has designed. And so when we don't think about uh, marriage in the proper way, when we don't think about it in the way that this is a permanent relationship, a lot of couples do damage in their relationships with each other in marriage. They threaten divorce. They threaten separation. Mm -hmm. They they use all these threats Mm -hmm. in the matters of their their marriage, and they're not thinking biblically about what God has given to them. Mm -hmm. When my wife and I married, we said divorce will not be in our vocabulary, That's throwing right. that out. That's right. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it forced us. It forced us to... There was two things. I didn't want to be miserable. Mm. Okay. Did you and get rid of murder, was, too? Pardon me? Did you get rid of the word murder, too? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it forced us to think biblically right. through right. our problems. That's well, how right. are we going to... What are we going to do? Right. How That's are we right. going to work through this? Right. Because we weren't going to stay and be miserable for the rest of our lives, either. So it forced us to, to work through things. The, when, sad, the sad thing is when you hear of couples who consistently threaten that with each yes. other. You know, they say, well, what do you want? You want a divorce? Are you saying you want a divorce and so forth? And what do? You, how do you escalate that kind of trying to get attention and communication? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, and it only mm-hmm. turns into other things that, mm-hmm. that don't need to happen. So I think a, this is a big way that it's violated. One other way I think it's violated is by in-laws. Mm-hmm. In other words, that in-laws do not allow their children to be the kind of married couple that God calls them to be. That's when the in-laws become outlaws? That's right. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, marriage involves leaving. So the foundation for a good marriage, first of all, starts with leaving. But the scripture goes on to say, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Hold fast to his wife. And that involves cleaving. To hold fast means to cleave. It means to cling together. It's kind of what I call a superglue marriage. And there's many couples on their wedding day, they vow till death do us part, don't they? But it's a mere verbal formality for many of them. What they really mean is till problems do us part. Mm -hmm. Remember years ago I worked with a fella before I was in full-time ministry. I was preparing for ministry and I worked in an office and and, uh, a guy who was married for 18 years and uh, he divorced. One day, all of a sudden, he's divorced. He's divorced from his wife. And then a, a short time later, he's getting married again to another woman. So I spoke to him about it, and, uh, about it, and he told me, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, I can always get a divorce. Mm. You know, show me a person who marries with the consideration of divorce as an option when problems mm-hmm. and disagreements <laughs> come and I'm going to show you a couple that will never succeed in marriage. Why? Because conflicts and disagreements will come. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. See, the difference is not in the problems. The difference is in the commitment to work through the problems. Now, to cleave is an act of commitment. It's an act of commitment, more so than feelings. It's saying, I do and means it. Mm -hmm. So the question I have is, what is God saying here? A good marriage is or is not based upon. What is God saying when he says, shall hold fast to his wife 
what is a good marriage? What a good marriage is or is not based upon? One thing it means is that a good marriage is not based upon chance, but it is the result of choice. For example, it's not, I hope this is going to work, but I choose to make this marriage work. Amen. Amen. I think another one is that a good marriage is not based on convenience, but on obedience. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, uh, it's uh, it, not only when, uh, when it's not only convenient when there's no problems, but can, obedient to God's role to, to the husband and wife and fulfilling that. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I'd like to add, I think that that this is, uh, if you go back to, to my generation, I'm a little bit older than the rest of you here, uh, and uh, you go back to 20, 30, 40 years ago, divorce was not as popular as it is today. Mm. People did stay married, and they worked through a lot of problems. Right. In, in the neighborhood mm-hmm. where I grew up, seldom did you see anybody or hear about anybody getting divorced. Right. Mm-hmm. They would stick it out. Right. So when you're saying that, Gus, what you're saying is the, uh, I choose to make it work. I'm choosing you, mm-hmm. and I'm choosing to love you, and I'm choosing to make this marriage work. Mm-hmm. What does the psalmist say? Who is worthy to come into the house of the Lord? He who keeps his word, even when it hurts. Amen. And there's sometimes that it hurts. It's sometimes that it's not easy to, to keep the commitment that you've made. But God will honor you in the keeping of that commitment. And that's what God Amen. desires for us. Amen. Also, a good marriage is, I think, not based upon a contract, but upon covenant. It's a covenant. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's promises made to God. You know, there's a world of difference. Uh, I think R.C. Sproul is the first one I I heard say this, and I've used this in the in the counseling office. There's a world of difference between a guy uh, laying down in the back seat of the of his car with uh, his girlfriend saying, "Honey, come on, let's do this. Mm-hmm. I promise, I'm going to love you mm-hmm. forever." Mm-hmm. There's a world of difference to that than that man standing up in church with that girl in mm-hmm. front of his uh, family, her family, uh, a test, a witness of Christ. And the church and saying, honey, come on, let's do this. I mm-hmm. promise I'm going to love you forever. Yes. <laughs> and I think an, a good marriage is not based on compatibility, but a welding together. Um, if we based a good marriage on compatibility, every marriage would fail. Because the truth is, is that no one is compatible. Hmm. The, Bi- the Bible teaches us that, that we're all sinners we all desire to do our own thing, our own way. Um, a good marriage is the result of learning how to love this other person, learning how to forgive offenses and to accept the differentness that this person brings into the relationship right. and learning what the Bible says about how to love each other and practice that love will produce a permanent and a harmonious relationship, that welding together. That's right. And we, my wife and I, when we do a premarital counseling, we always like to tell a couple, remember this. There is no such thing as a home completely without conflict. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, I do remember, I have to uh, take that back. There, is, there was one couple, uh, the last couple who I really heard who lived happily ever after was Snow White and uh, Snow White and Prince Charming. I think their name was, wasn't it? <laughs> See, even if you don't ask me, <laughs> <laughs> even if you are committed to your wife or your spouse, your husband or wife, there's still going to be times of tension. There's still going to be times of impatience. There's still going to be times of disagreements. That's the bad news. But the good news is this. 
with the Lord Jesus Christ living within you and with his book, the Bible, ready to be consulted for counsel, no conflict is beyond solution. Mm. But Amen. it's going to take commitment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when we return, we'll take a quick uh, two-minute break here. And um, again, if any of you would like to call in for any questions or any comments, feel free to. It's 216-901-0933 or toll-free, 888-677-9673. So I was having my coffee the other day and I wondered... What's so special about Cornerstone Bible Fellowship? Is it the family-like environment, the Christian development classes geared for all ages, or the fact that Cornerstone Bible Fellowship believes both in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Bible? Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is committed to preaching, teaching, and counseling from God's Word. I've heard testimonies of how the biblical counseling ministry of our church helped my friend with her panic attacks, helped one believer with his anger, and another who struggled with worry all by giving them solid biblical principles to help them defeat these sins in their lives. It's amazing. At Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, I'm learning that I have everything I need to live a life of victory and godliness. It's my prayer that we will reach even more people with the good news that the Bible is sufficient to meet our greatest needs. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is currently meeting at Remington College at Great Northern. For more information, call 440-617-0002 or visit us on the web at cbfministry.org. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. As our parents are aging, do you ever wonder who will take care of them? Do you struggle with providing care for your parents or a loved one as they grow older? Home Instead Senior Care can help. They specialize in taking care of seniors in their own homes. In fact, Home Instead Senior Care is celebrating 10 years of being the trusted source of non-medical home care in the Cleveland area. I have to tell you, folks, this is a wonderful and value in-home service. Caregivers actually come to your home and provide assistance with light housekeeping, meal preparation, bathing, grocery shopping, incidental transportation, and so much more. At Home Instead Senior Care, the goal is to help seniors remain independent in their homes while providing peace of mind to their family. Caregivers are thoroughly trained, screened, bonded, and insured. Assistance is available 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Call Home Instead Senior Care at 1-800-942-7558 or visit the website at www.homeinstead.com, your go-to company for elder care. Welcome back to Transforming Lives. And tonight we're considering God's blueprint for marriage. We're discussing Genesis chapter 2, 
and verse 24 where it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And we'd like to take any calls. Uh, you can feel free to call in. We'll uh, be here until just prior, a little bit prior to 8 o'clock. And you can call locally. It's 216-901-0933 or toll free at 888-677-9673. So, guys, so far we looked at... Um, a good marriage, the foundation for a good marriage involves leaving and it involves cleaving. And then the third one is what I call weaving. It involves weaving where it says in verse 24 of Genesis 2:24 that they shall become one flesh. So uh, a man will leave father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And one flesh is a, is a result. I guess we can say that's the result of leaving and cleaving. And uh, it involves more than, uh, as you know, you pastors know, it involves more than uh, sexual intimacy, although that's uh, part of it. But it's speaking of oneness. It's speaking of a oneness of body and of soul. It's a, it's a blending of two lives. Marital oneness is a process. And two people with different family backgrounds, with different temperaments, habits, feelings, likes, dislikes, they don't immediately leave a wedding ceremony, do they, in perfect unity? Mm. But the process begins there, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Oneness or this intimacy is something that everyone wants. Every married couple wants. Uh, yet we know that this unity or this oneness is really not easily achieved. And I think there's probably two major reasons for this. One is because Satan fights it. And that's a warning I'd like to give out uh, to those uh, who are married who may be listening. Satan will use anybody or anything to drive a wedge into your relationship. And we should not be ignorant of his ways. And there's a second reason why, not just because Satan fights it. He wants to, Satan always wants to separate what God puts together. And But secondly, our sinful tendencies fight it. Uh, marital oneness is destroyed by our selfishness and our self-centeredness, our, our pride and our, our bitterness, our resentment, degrading words, harshness, or just simply neglect. But yet, our hearts cry out for it, don't they? Mm-hmm. We want oneness with our mate. So I'd like to spend the rest of our program uh, just kind of... Uh, giving uh, 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 some practical suggestions. And I'd like to ask uh, our panel uh, if they can give some practical suggestions that uh, we can give our listeners that would help enhance oneness in their marriage. I think that you you have to start off thinking we instead of me, Mm. to be we conscious, to be we minded rather than I-minded or me-minded. I remember being in a uh, counseling situation with a couple that were, uh, we we had to separate them for a period of time uh, uh, in a biblical way as best that we could and uh, brought them uh, to my office with the elder from, uh, the senior pastor and elders from their church and uh, we were sitting down in my my study uh, and she kept, the wife kept talking about my kids, my kids, Mm. My kids, mm. 
And the man got up and screamed. Hmm. He says, there. She did it again, and he bolted out of the room. Hmm. And we had a tough time. It, he, he never came back then. We had a tough time meeting with him a few times after that to, to get him and then counseling with her that those were your children. They were our children. But a lot of times women do that. It's my house. It's my this. It's my kids. Mm-hmm. And it's oneness that, that belongs to both of them. That reminds me of Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, where it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let mm-hmm. each esteem others better than himself. Mm-hmm. Let, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others or for the interests of our spouse. And I think this uh, those, this oneness, you, you do have to think of it as a process, as a goal for your marriage. And it needs to be uh, lived out in pr- really practical, tangible ways, I think. And when you think of the, the weaving, uh, and as you mentioned, Armin, that it's not primary, that's not, it in, includes a sexual relationship, but it's not just uh, that alone. Mm-hmm. And I think... After you're married for for a time, that something that can help enhance that weaving, this weaving aspect of our marriage, is to continue to hold hands, yes, uh, to pray together. Right. To I know that we always we've made a commitment to always kiss when you're going to leave mm-hmm. one another, mm-hmm. when you're going to go to work, and mm-hmm. kiss when you get home, when you right. come home, when your spouse walks mm-hmm. through the door. Mm-hmm. Just these little things that you did all the time. When we first got married, we were so carried away with that, <laughs> I would give her a kiss before I'd go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but you know these things that we did all TMI. the time. It's just too much. It's too much information. <laughs> all the time that we did when, when we were dating, and uh, so many of those things stop. Mm. The holding hands when you're mm-hmm. just uh, walking from the car to the store you, you couldn't uh, you, you couldn't ne- uh, stop holding hands when you were right. dating right T- touching touching <laughs> physically I, I believe is, is very important in enhancing oneness I'm convinced of it mm. uh, and those it, little uh, uh, non-sexual ways non- the, and non-sexual yes. ways uh, I'm talking and not sexual affections just as my wife was sharing cuddling snuggling hugging holding hands you know the the uh, uh, little pet even here and there uh, it's where you enjoy one another's company. It creates a warmth. Mm-hmm. It creates a warmth. Yes. And uh, uh, all marriages need a large amount of, of that kind of tenderness. And it's, uh, it, it's sad that the physical touch and affection seems to diminish shortly after marriage. And before marriage, everybody's, they're all over each other. One of the, one of the uh, we, we all know as counselors that one of the most frequent problems in marriage is money. Mm-hmm. And having separate checking accounts and separate funds and one keeping money from the other mm-hmm. is lethal. Oh. You you have to work at having one bank account and everything belongs to both. That's right. I do a lot of financial counseling uh, at our church because we have the financial peace program there, and, and we're, we're dealing with this all the time. And so the financial dimensions are very important for weaving right. the, the money together. Excellent point, Gus. You know, I think it, it should be encouraging to people to if they're listening tonight, and, per, and perhaps, uh, and given the statistics, this is likely true, there are uh, Christian couples who are listening tonight who are having trouble in their marriage, who are struggling. And I would just want to encourage them tonight to know that the reason that we're talking about this, that God gives to us a blueprint for marriage, 
God says that we can be unified in marriage. I just want to encourage that couple to know, if God calls you to do it, he's going to enable you to do it. God's Amen. commands assume God's enablement. Maybe you're sitting and, and you're thinking uh, tonight, there is no way that I can have unity. There is no way I can have this kind of relationship with my spouse. Well, let me just say that God says that you can, and if God says it, then you can. God will enable you to do that. And I, and I would just encourage uh, a couple who is struggling these ways to, to understand that when God tells you you can, he's going to enable you to do it. And just a, another dynamic to, to throw in here, and that might be uh, speaking to someone uh, who, who isn't married, but speaking to someone, saying to them, you know, if you're considering marriage, and we're talking about unity in the marriage, if you're considering marrying someone, you cannot marry someone, if you're a believer, who is not a believer. You cannot expect That's the kind right. of unity mm -hmm. that God promises to you in marriage if you violate his command. First Corinthians chapter or sorry, second Corinthians chapter six and verse fourteen. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? Amen. And this is something that, you know, I've seen people do and I'm sure you guys mm -hmm. have it in your oh, ministry, too. That pool is so strong yeah, and with young single women and, and men and women. It's, it's, it's a sad thing to yes, see a, 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 a home started on such a treacherous foundation, and, and it puts pastors in a particular spot when someone comes and asks you, you know, will you marry us? Well, I'm a believer. You know, She's not a believer. He's not a believer. Well, my Bible doesn't. Let us do that. And we have to be very careful to understand that if you want this kind of union, I'm talking about mm -hmm. people who are thinking about getting married. Mm -hmm. It's different, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if yeah. you're married right. and you've become a Christian and you have a spouse that's not a Christian, God has a particular plan for that. Right. But I'm talking about someone that's thinking about getting married and they know that that potential mm -hmm. partner isn't a right. born-again believer. And we know of people that it has taken place in and they're living uh what they live uh it's there's something always missing that mm. spiritual oneness well we do have a call that's coming in there it's uh joe from warren joe from warren welcome to transforming lives yeah um <laughs> i'm enjoying your program and uh i just wondered if uh you could spend a little bit of time answering a question that you raised a little bit ago on selfishness what um what can you do to help a spouse who seems to be very, very selfish and you maybe try to point it out and they're not, uh, uh, they don't really like to hear that kind of talk. They think you're selfish. And uh, so I just, I'll just i just hang up and, and listen for what you might have to say about helping people who are selfish. Good. Thank you, Joe. I think one of the first things you have to do is take an inventory of your own behavior. Are, am I being selfish? Am I going to, uh, am I, am I sure that in most of the situations in my relationship with my wife, am I living a life that's not all wrapped up in me? Because I certainly can't then go and tell her, you're selfish, because, uh, you know, the, the four fingers are pointing, pointing back at me. Uh, so I, I think that's the first thing we have to take a look at, take a look. And then you have to be prepared for the right time, the right place the right circumstances, to speak the truth in love. That's right. And it would take a whole lot of prayer mm. right. before 
uh, you approach somebody. You just right. don't blurt it out in a, in a moment of a conflict right. where there's intense fellowship going on. Mm-hmm. There. So you're you're recommending what Jesus said in Matthew seven: mm-hmm. get the log out of your eye first. Mm-hmm. James chapter 4, I think, goes right to that uh, question that the caller had who had a very familiar voice. In James 4, he says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot, cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you receive, you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Amen. And and James Amen. tells us where where the, that's it. The cause for fights and quarrels comes from within ourselves. Within the biggest problem the biggest problem in any Christian home is the fact that sinners live there. Mm-hmm. And and we have to address our own sin first, as you say in Matthew seven, before we can address someone else. Right, and we have Amen. to be honest before the Lord. Uh, what's, when our, what's within our heart. Right. But with that, I'm going to have to take a short break here. And, um, and I would like to give you a phone number here. It's 216-901-0933 or 888-677-9673. When we come back, we'll have a few minutes to take some calls. Do you desire to become more Christ-like? I want to make you aware of a unique resource every Christian should have who wants to grow in Christ-like character. Transformed into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey is a handbook for putting off sin and putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and will help you identify personal habits and tendencies that are hindering your walk with the Lord. This valuable biblical resource will not only help you identify where personal change is needed in your life, but will also explain how to put off old sinful habits and replace them with new godly behaviors. For more information about this wonderful resource, log on to transformedintohislikeness.com. That's transformedintohislikeness.com. If you'd like to order a copy, call 1-800-656-0231 or ask for it at your local bookstore. Transformed Into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey. So I was having my coffee the other day and I wondered, what's so special about Cornerstone Bible Fellowship? Is it the family-like environment? The Christian development class is geared for all ages? Or the fact that Cornerstone Bible Fellowship believes both in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Bible? Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is committed to preaching, teaching, and counseling from God's Word. I've heard testimonies of how the biblical counseling ministry of our church helped my friend with her panic attacks, helped one believer with his anger and another who struggled with worry all by giving them solid biblical principles to help them defeat these sins in their lives. It's amazing. At Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, I'm learning that I have everything I need to live a life of victory and godliness. It's my prayer that we will reach even more people with the good news that the Bible is sufficient to meet our greatest needs. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is currently meeting at Remington College at Great Northern. For more information, call 440-617-0002 or visit us on the web at cbfministry.org. Welcome back to Transforming Lives. If you've just joined us, we're considering God's blueprint for marriage. We're discussing Genesis 2, 24, where it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And uh, as we uh, discuss uh, some practical suggestions for enhancing this one flesh, one flesh meaning oneness, uh, meaning intimacy within marriage, uh, a one, a, bi- a combining of uh, of uh, of two lives. Uh, 
We also welcome any calls. We have a few minutes. Feel free to call in at 216-901-0933 or uh, toll-free at uh, 888-677-9673. If you have any questions or any comments, feel free to call in. Uh, Guys, um, I'd like to ask the panel, uh, is there any uh, other practical suggestions, uh, uh, anything else that you would add uh, to our topic today as far as uh, enhancing oneness? Have you ever uh, talked to a couple who said that even as a Christian couple that they really had nothing in common? Yes. Has that ever Mm -hmm. happened to you? uh, We're not compatible, Yeah. like my wife was talking about earlier. Yeah. And I I think it's important for us to remember that there's a difference between uh, what the world says about compatibility and what the Bible says about uh, comparable. And and God Mm -hmm. says that he has made us uh, comparable with one another. And so there is already that issue of unity. And again, this goes back to thinking biblically. I think it's significant to, to take a couple like that to... For example, Ephesians chapter four, and if you and if they just look at the first six six verses there as Christians, they can see that there are there are significant ways, probably at least seven ways, that they do th- share things in common, which gives to them a tremendous unity. So I think mm-hmm. that Ephesians mm-hmm. four passage mm-hmm. is very significant mm-hmm. for a couple Amen. to Absolutely. understand. They can oh, Ephesians four is tremendous, tremendous right. passage. Well, we have a couple of calls in here. Let's try to squeeze them in here in the last few minutes we have. David, uh, in I believe it's Waymart. Hello, David. Welcome to Transforming Lives. David? Um, Hello, David. A, Could you, uh, yeah. David, we uh, kind of missed what you said at the beginning. Could you be, uh, take oh, it? Yeah. Okay. I uh, just wanted to say I just wanted to encourage you guys and say that you're right on target. Uh, I got married at a young age, very young, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of, I was brought up in, in a Christian home, but I had a lot of rebelliousness in my own heart, and I think what, mm-hmm. unfortunately, in the United States, um, the message that we get is, when we're younger, um, and what makes a good mate is all wrong, and it's hard at that age to even hear, I know I didn't want to hear it, and I can mm-hmm. see when I try mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, talk right. to someone else who's looking or trying to find their way. Um, it's mm-hmm. hard to to explain it because they can't get past what the world is, you know, mm-hmm. right, right. and showing mm-hmm. as what's you know a good mate, an ideal mate, and how to pick a mate. Right. And it's a lot of selfishness involved. Who's mm-hmm. you know a lot of it has to do with what a person looks like or what job mm-hmm. they have, or financial background. But that makes that other person then more like a uh, just an object in your home that's uh, you know almost like an appliance that works well for you and then as soon as that person doesn't work well for you then it's on to somebody else <laughs> right. yeah that's not good God. way to put and, it and i i went through the you know those harsh times i i married someone because i thought they you know would be a good addition to me and i thought you know while well, this person you know she was very pretty and you know just physically she uh-huh. was attractive to my eye and i thought well now i'll go out into the world and do everything i can to keep her attracted to me and uh then when she started being a human being, I had a hard time with that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's, it's a real dying to self, though, too, because I thought she had all these problems. And it wasn't until we got into some Christian counseling that I realized, you know, that I was so focused on, you know, what she needed to do. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. I wasn't looking at what I needed hey, to do. Yep. And and David, getting the log out of your own eye, right? David, yeah, one, of, one, of the, one of the things that we, we learned so much in counseling is that uh, so many people come to Christ after uh, uh, getting up in years, maybe um, uh, 15, 20, 30 uh, 
30 years and uh, 20, 30 years, and they bring with them a lot of baggage that mm-hmm. they never learn biblically yeah, right. uh, what the expectations are mm-hmm. for their marriage. Right. And so it's, that's all got to be unpacked and, and learn what, what you started yes, out the program with, right. God's blueprint for marriage, right. instead of what you learned in the neighborhood. Right. And, and listen to those that are a little wiser, as David, I think one thing is, well, thank you very much for your call, David. We have one other call I want to squeeze in. Uh, but as David said, I think that's a, that's a lesson of any young people that are considering marriage. <clears throat> listen to people that are a little bit wiser and older. Yes. Listen to your parents. Uh, right. They Instead of being so hard-headed. Right. Uh, we have an anonymous in Cleveland. Uh, welcome to Transforming Lives. Oh, yes. Um, my question is, uh, this is um, let me see how I put it in real short. Okay. Sure. Um, my ex-husband left me for another woman, oh. okay? Then I met um, this other guy, um, but he's, he was um, drugs and all that, and then um, he goes to church. We're going together now for about four years and eight months, and um, he's always, you know, he's been wanting to marry me, but yeah. um, you know how they say, mm-hmm. you know, I got to have peace to give him an answer. I got to make sure that that, you know, have peace in my mind. And and so and I do, but I don't know if it's that I'm afraid. Cause he's really nice to me. He helps me a lot. I'm legally blind, and he helps me in everything. But um, I just don't know what to do. I don't know if it's that could, I'm afraid because he right. used to be on drugs, and I, right. I really need. Could you hold? Could you hold on the line? We're, our, we're, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, where our program is ending. I had to cue from our engineer that we have to stop. But if you can hold on the line, uh, one of our pastors would like to speak with you. Could you do so? Hello. Yes, thank you. Yes, okay, thank you. Well, it's been a joy being here with you tonight by way of radio. And we'd ask you to tune in next week at 7 p.m. for Transforming Lives, where Pastor Glenn and Pastor Gus will talk about the topic of worry. And we'll also take any calls on that subject. God bless you, and good night. You have been listening to Transforming Lives, brought to you by the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. We invite you to visit our website at bci-ohio.com. That's bci-ohio.com. There you will find information about BCI, our resources, course offerings, and available materials. You may also write to the Biblical Counseling Institute, 8146 High Street, Garrettsville, Ohio, 44231. Your prayers and financial gifts for this ministry would be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening. This program has been sponsored by the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. The only way to get a better job is to look. So go right to people who want to hire you. ChristianJobs.com is the largest website for matching Christians with careers to get excited about. ChristianJobs.com. Just a